All right, well, we're going to get into the Word today, and uh, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's interesting that it doesn't just say pray as if that is sufficient. It says pray all kinds of prayers. How many of you like sports? How many of you at any point in your life would have described yourself as an athlete? Now, what's interesting, I find this very interesting. If you watch the Olympics, have anybody ever noticed athletes don't all look the same? Like Usain Bolt is the world's fastest man. He is like, turn him sideways and you don't notice. Like he is so skinny. But the world's strongest man, also an athlete, looks very different. If you just look at an American football team, you find different types of athletes. The quarterback and the lineman are both athletes and they do not look anything alike. Right? They're doing, they're athletes, they're being athletic, they're participating in, in a sport, but they're doing very different things. And I think about the various sports um, that my kids are involved in. Well, I've got kids in hockey and soccer and basketball. You know, you can't play hockey with basketball rules. You definitely can't play soccer with basketball rules. The moment you touch the ball, you, you know, penalties, you're out, hands. But it's still a sport. What we realize is in the world of sports, we understand, hey, it's a sport, but there are different rules for different types of sports. Many of us have not realized how many different types of prayer there are. And when we read a scripture that talks about prayer, oftentimes one of the mistakes we make is we apply what is said there to every kind of prayer. If they're talking about prayer, then that must apply to everything. But just like soccer rules apply to soccer, basketball rules apply to basketball, there are different principles that apply to the different types of prayer. So today, we're going to cover, however many time allows, for us to get into various types of prayer. I think the most common thought of prayer, when we say, hey, I'm going to pray, would be what we would refer to as the prayer of faith. Matthew 21, 22 says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. This is the prayer of petition made from a place of faith. This is the, the type of prayer where Jesus and Scripture says you must believe. Mark eleven twenty three and verse 24, I'm going to read, says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, talking about that same 
type of prayer, the prayer of faith, says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. The prayer of faith, the Bible says, that is a prayer that we pray when we know God's will and we believe for it in a situation. When we stand confidently knowing that God has already promised. This is something we do with a promise. But sometimes, many of us have, have seen, we're trying to pray the prayer of faith. And we're like someone going out to play soccer, but we jump to a different set of rules and we grab a different type of prayer. The next type of prayer that I want to talk about is going to be the prayer of consecration. And you remember what Jesus said when he was committing his life to God's will? He said, if it be your will. Do you remember that? Now, what happens sometimes is when we're praying a prayer of faith, we then reach out and grab the rules that apply to a prayer of consecration where we say, well, if it be thy will. I, I remember hearing a joke about uh, a man who had a dog. He said, my dog is extremely intelligent. I want to prove to you how intelligent my dog is. He knows the answer to questions. So, no, he doesn't. He says, hey, Fido, what's on the outside of a tree? Merk, merk, merk. See? He knows. And then he says, Fido, what's on top of a house? Roof, roof, roof. He says, look, he knows. How many realize it only works when you pick the, the right question? Have you ever been guilty of praying a prayer that way. Dear God, I just pray that your will be done. It's kind of like, no matter what happens, it, I got it. What's on the roof? Bark, bark. I messed that one up. What's on the ceiling? The roof. What's on the tree? The bark. We realize sometimes when we're supposed to know God's will and declare it, we can be tempted to go over there and say, well, I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to pray with, a, with an outcome in mind. I'm just going to pray. Someone says, pray for this situation. Lord, I just pray that whatever you want to do, you do it. That is not what the Scripture is describing when they talk about the prayer of faith. The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, if we study the word and we know what it says, that is our path to success. We need to know God's will. If you don't know what you need. How many have ever gone shopping without a list when you're hungry? You go into the store, 
you're wandering around. I did that the other day. I come up to the counter. I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't plan on getting. I just went in hungry. And, and the, the cashier says to me, did you find what you were looking for? And, and I didn't know how to answer. You know, I found something. And I'm going to eat it. But I, I, I don't know. I hope so. Or, or if you ever go into one of those stores where the, 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 the attendants are trained to ask you, you know, can I help you find something? What, what are you looking for? And you realize you're in there and you don't know. And I've had to answer them. I'm not sure. I'm just waiting until one of these snacks calls my name. I don't know what I'm looking for. With the prayer of faith, we can't come in that way. We need to seek out God's will. We need to know. The prayer of faith, what does the Bible say? It says faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. To feed my faith, I have to hear God's will. Where do I find God's will? I find it in his word. When I know what God wants, then I can have and I can pray the prayer of faith because I know, I am confident that it is God's will that this anxiety leave. I am confident that it is God's will that this sickness or disease be gone. If, if I don't know his will, then, then I can't pray the prayer of faith. I can just pray the, the wishy-washy, hope-so prayer. And that's a totally different thing when we say, if it be your will. Let's look at that prayer, the prayer of consecration. This is the prayer where we consecrate our lives for God's use, to anywhere and to do anything. This is when we pray like Jesus did. He said, going a little further in Matthew 26, 39, says, going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. A couple verses later in verse 42, it says a second time. A second time. Now we saw back in James where it said someone who's wishy-washy can't expect to get anything from God. Is Jesus wishy-washy? Of course not. See, James was describing the prayer of faith. What Jesus was doing was he was consecrating his life to a purpose. And he was admitting, this does not look desirable. But, not my will, but yours be done. And he says, my father, if this cup cannot come pa pass, excuse me, cannot pass unless I drink it, may your will be done. Notice how different those two prayers are. When, when my parents, uh, when I was born, my parents were in Mexico, so I'm a Mexican. Um, lived there until I was five, and then they came back to the States, <clears throat> began to pastor here at this church um, when it was located in uh, another side of part of town here. And at, in kindergarten, I told my parents, <clears throat> I'm going to be a missionary. And they're like, okay. You know, but ever notice, kids, they want all kinds of things. 
Kids, we're just, as a kid, we're not even used to getting what we want. You know, like, we ask for something, and then we're surprised when we get it. And I said, I want to be a missionary. In kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, I just, that's what I wanted to do. When I was 11, my parents called up a pastor in Mexico, said, um, here are his flights information. He's going to be down there for a couple weeks. Put him with somebody in your church who doesn't speak English. And I was excited. And I went, and my Spanish was horrible. It's a lot better now, but it was horrible. And I went, and the next summer I went again, and the next summer I went for two months and I went back into the mountains in there and I started to get opportunities to speak in these tiny little churches and, and just tell them what I knew. And, and I remember coming back and around the age of 14 or 15, in, then we were, we were here at this building, back in the youth room, I remember going down to the altar and I remember praying, God, if, if you want me to be a missionary in Mexico, great, because that's where I'll be. If you want me to do anything else, you better tell me soon. Like, am I off? I remember praying. I'm like, God, this is a desire. I want to do this. This is my plan. I'm going for it because I think that's where you want me to be. But if you want me to go anywhere else, just tell me now. It may sound like a wishy-washy prayer, but that wasn't a prayer of faith. That was a prayer of consecration. I was dedicating my life to his purposes and saying, hey, I think I know what you desire for me. But if I'm wrong, steer me another way. And it is appropriate in that setting, just like Jesus, to say, if. And to be uncertain because we're asking him to give us certainty. A third type of prayer is a prayer of commitment. Psalms chapter 37 verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. The prayer of commitment involves a trust, trusting in him, giving ourselves to him. 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How much of your anxiety? How much? All. 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 I like someone said it this way. God doesn't want to lighten your load. He wants to take it all. He wants to take it all. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet, they, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And what's the answer to that? Can you add a single hour to your life through worry? No. No, we can't. We have to understand how worry is defined. The, the scripture is not against planning. Another spot in scripture, it says, when a man builds a tower, does he not first count the cost? He plans. It is, it is good, it is righteous, it is okay. 
to plan something. But there's a difference between that and worry. Worry is the opposite of faith. It's a confidence of everything that's going to go wrong. I like what somebody said. Worry is interest paid on a debt you never even got. It's paid on money that you never even got to borrow. You're paying interest. You're paying that. You're, you're, you're taking on the anxiety for that which hasn't even happened. Just in fear of what might, what maybe. God says, no. Commit all of that anxiety, all that fear to me. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, in what? Everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Number four, a prayer of worship. Luke chapter 24, verse 52 says, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. You know, not every prayer is a request. You realize the Bible says, and if, if, if you come on Wednesday nights, you have heard me quote Acts chapter 17 because it's got one of my favorite verses in there where God says what he did and why he did it. Remember that? How many of you can remember that? Oh, I mean, do I have to read it for like the fifth time? No, the Bible says Paul was describing who God is and what he's done to a group of people who nothing, knew nothing about him. He said, God made the world. He made it from one man and one woman and he did all of that so that we would reach out to him. See, prayer is also communion with God. It's asking, yes, it is. It's committing, yes, it is. But it's also just worshiping and acknowledging his greatness. He desires us to react to who he is. That's, that's how I see worship. Worship is when I consider who God is and then I react by expressing how that makes me feel about him. When I say, God, you are amazing. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. See, they were worshiping, and that triggered a response from God. He, he told them things. He said, Hey, I have a calling on these people's lives. In Acts chapter 16, verse 2, it says at about midnight, or excuse me, 25. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening with them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up, and he saw that the prison doors were open, and he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul said, do not harm yourself. We are all here. And then Paul goes on to lead the, the jailer to the Lord, lead the jailer's family to the Lord. 
He was worshiping. How many of you realize that when we worship, it isn't simply, I, I, I had to change this in my mind. I didn't, I thought, okay, if I'm worshiping, then that's it. That's it. I'm just, you know, this is my turn to give to God. But when I look in Scripture, I find out that every time somebody worshiped, God responded. They didn't have to request something. God saw their needs and answered their prayers. He saw their need for to know their calling, and he told them what their calling was. He saw the need they had to be free. But you know what's interesting? Have you ever thought about this? He was, they were set free from the bonds, but they never left the jailer. You ever notice that, like, logistically, they didn't really need to get out of jail? Because the next day they're back in front of the authorities talking about what happened. It's like God was just showing off. It's like, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not breaking you out so you can escape or anything. I just want you to know I got you. Like, he didn't smuggle them out through the, you know, back door. He was like... No, we're just going to set you free. And then you can just hang out with the jailer for a while until you need to go talk to the leaders. God responded to their praise, especially at that moment. There is also the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, 20, or 18 through 20, it says, Truly I tell you, whoever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And then Deuteronomy 32 tells us something interesting. It says, how should one chase a thousand and Two, put 10,000 to flight, except the rock. He says, when two are in unity, more is accomplished than when they both do the same thing separately. There's a true account of a competition in Canada where a bunch of farm boys, anybody been on a, been on a farm, worked on a farm, anybody say, hey, I'm a farm boy? Right, a bunch of farm boys got together. They brought their biggest oxen. And, you know, they came in there and said, yeah, my oxen, he can do this, you know. And they bring him in there. And they did a competition to see how much weight the strongest ox could pull. The strongest ox pulled 8,000 pounds. The second place was very close. It was like 7,900 something. And, you know, they declared the 8,000-pound the ox the winner. They said, that's awesome. And then someone says, hey, what if we put them together? You know, I'm thinking to him, Tim the Toolman Taylor, ar, 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 ar. let's stick them together. How many, how much can these two pull together? And, of course, they, they, some of the guys are, like, throwing out bets. They're like, oh, well, with 8,000 and 8,000, it's going to be 16,000. You know, I got this. I bet he can pull 16,000. So they strap those oxen together. They pull and it pulled the 16,000. They start adding weight. It pulled 20. 
It pulled, they, they, not yet, they pulled 22, 24. They got up to pulling 26,000 pounds together. Eight and eight was more than triple. The two oxen that could pull eight and eight, instead of doing 16, instead of doing 24, which would have been triple the weight, they did 26,000. The term for this is synergy. When the sum of the parts, or the sum of the whole, exceeds the sum of the parts individually. And the Bible says that that is what happens to us when we pray. We have the prayer of agreement. I remember during those summers I was describing to you when I would go at, at 13 and I went down into the mountains, I went to where my parents had lived for two years, and there was a little man there by the name of Banancio. And Banancio, in the 70s, was credited with bringing the gospel to over 250,000 people of his uh, indigenous group throughout the mountains of central Mexico. And he had overseen the planting of countless churches. And the stories that would come about what God had done. And he, he would talk about what he had done here and what he had done there. And I remember him telling the story about praying for someone who was sick. Someone came and said, hey, I need you to pray for this person. And I don't remember what their sickness was or whatever, but I remember that it was very serious. And he went there and he said, he got there and he asked everyone, how many of you believe that God is going to heal this person? Some of the people are like, well, that'd be nice, but I don't know. He said, leave. He said, I don't want you here at all. Gone. Get out. If you don't agree with me that healing is going to take place when I pray, I don't want you in this hut. I don't want you anywhere nearby. Why? Because he had learned that concept from Scripture and through practice that when Christians agree... There is synergy. But when they don't, I don't want to cause any marital strife or anything. But you know, we need to be in agreement. We bought a puppy. The dad was 55 pounds, the mom was 45 pounds. I forgot to pray that it would stay small because he is 75 pounds and he's not fat. And my wife says it's evidence that God listens to her prayers more than mine. And I just say, well, I didn't pray against his growing. I just assumed. But you see, when we're trying to have a mutual goal, when we want something to happen, we need to find the brother and sister who will agree in faith with us. The Bible says of David, when he heard about what was going to happen and the reward that would be given to the person who took on Goliath, he said, hey, hey, I see this guy. So, so tell me, what exactly do I get if I do this? And his brother says to him, oh, I know your heart. His brother wouldn't agree. And I love what the scripture says. It says he turned from him and went and asked someone else. 
David understood, I need to find someone. If, if you're negative, you don't agree with me, I'm going to leave you. Even if you're my brother, I'm going to find someone else to ask. The prayer of agreement is powerful. I was going to get into the next type of prayer, which was prayer in the Spirit and praying in tongues, but I don't know if we have time for that. So if I promise to cover that in the future, will you come back? I think next week is actually going to be Tim, Pastor Tim Gillio is going to give an illustrated sermon. You don't want to miss it. Um, but we're going to cover this on a future night because I want to give it more time. The Bible, I, I just... I just This Monday and Tuesday, I just spent with a group of about 50 different pastors and leaders from churches all around Grand Rapids and West Michigan um, who, who united when we did the Luis Palau event. And it was so powerful to get together with those guys. And I had so much fun. And it was so fun to watch a bunch of these Reformed pastors sitting around lunch asking about tongues. And they were saying, so how does this work? in your church. And some of them talking about, you know, you know, I mean, my denomination, they don't, you know, I don't know, but I, I mean, it's in the Bible. So how, how does that work? And I've had three or four conversations this week about people. I want to encourage you to seek it out in the Word. Look in the Word. If you don't know what the Bible says about tongues, what the Bible says about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're not going to spoon feed you in the 30 seconds that we have left today. But I'm going to encourage you, go home, look it up, read about how many different places that the Bible talks about it. And then we're going to have a, a, a night where we're going to talk again about tongues here on Wednesday. Okay? God bless. Let's wrap it up. If you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that if your heart stopped Today, you would spend eternity with God tomorrow. Raise your hand. Oh, I like that. Everyone's awake and raising their hands. If you don't know that your sin is forgiven and that you're right with God, the Bible says know that you have salvation. It doesn't say hope, wonder, if it be your will. The Scripture says that God wills that all men come to a saving knowledge of Him. Period. We know His will. Because we know his will, we can pray the prayer of faith that God promises to answer. He describes it in Romans 10, 9, and 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, you will be saved. If that's you and you want to know that you are right with God, know that your sin is forgiven, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. And we will pray that prayer tonight. And we will know for sure want everybody to close your eyes a minute. Repeat after me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. He did not deserve to die. But because of my sin, he gave himself up as a sacrifice. He died then he rose again. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. 
I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.